The Bread and Butter podcast acknowledges the Yagara people and the Turbal people as the traditional custodians of Mainjin, the lands on which we record today. We pay our respects to the Yagara and Turbal elders, past, present, and emerging. This podcast is brought to you by Hey Al Productions. Did I say good? Just to get you into it one more time. Maybe just in case. Okay. Go. Bread and Better Podcast. Okay. Bread and Better Podcast. I feel like I am. Bread and Better Podcast. Hello and welcome to Bread and Better. My name is Alex and I'm the co-host and producer of this show. I'm a writer, a mum of three and a business owner. I love working on this show and I hope that all of you are getting as much out of these episodes as I am. Each week I'm learning so much from Tegan and all of our amazing guests. And I'm Tegan, the other host of the show. I am a personal trainer, sports nutritionist and chef. I'm passionate about health and fitness and also about good food and the occasional cocktail. I am having an absolute ball exploring and sharing what I am passionate about via the podcast. This week, we're going to discuss something we've touched on a few times, and that is personal relationships with alcohol. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about recently, as it has now been one year since I have had a drink. This is also something that I have been thinking about since returning from my recent trip to Bali, and I am looking forward to getting into it today. We also feel like this is a fitting time to do this episode with the silly season fast approaching, and Alex was just saying that she's going to put her Christmas tree up soon. (laughs) Yes, it's now we've just had Halloween. So what's it's the 2nd of November when we're recording this. So I'm literally debating whether or not I put it up this weekend. Traditionally, we put it up when we get back from Noosa, which is around the 26th of November, but we're going a different time this year. So it's really thrown me, but I think I'm going to put it up this weekend. Makes me happy. So one of my clients was saying that she had a tradition growing up where she loved Halloween because after they trick or treated, her mum put up the tree. Oh, I love that. I thought you would like that. Yeah, I really like that. We're very into Halloween. It's like, I I don't know if Halloween's our favourite holiday or Christmas. There you go. You could smack it all in one day and you could make Halloween officially the start of Christmas season. (laughs) Make it just like the best day of all time. Yeah. We even take the kids out early on Halloween so that we can get them ready before the festival that we go to. We were like, oh, we're taking them out for an appointment. But oh I'm my sure God, that's so funny. <laughs> I'm sure maybe next time I'll just give them the day off and then we can get ready early and then we can come home and set up the Christmas tree. Everyone will just like pass out of happiness. They might be sick that day. They won't pass out of happiness though because of all the sugar. (laughs) They'll be just bouncing off the walls. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty intense. And then the next day I let them have lollies before before school because Magnolia was so tired from trick-or-treating. She was like, I don't want to go to school. I'm like, here, have a lollipop to perk you up. Perk you right up and send her on her way. I was like, have fun. She probably had a sugar crash at about (laughs) 9.30. Her teacher probably hates me. And I was saying unpopular opinion, but I don't do a Christmas tree. Can I buy you a Christmas tree? Can Can I decorate it for you? It's just too messy. What if you do a really neat minimalistic one with just balls? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but it's just the tinsel and the tree you don't drop shit all over the floor you can get really good trees it's not and the the green and the red together it's just not my aesthetic you don't have to have green and red my like we we switch it up every year we alternate so my first colors were frozen inspired when oscar was a baby and so i did pink and white and blue and it was so beautiful Mm. there's no rules 
Nah, I don't like it. I like, I love Christmas. I like Christmas parties. I love giving gifts. I love Secret Santa. Yeah. I just don't really care about the decorations. I can appreciate them at the shopping center. They don't need to be in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I'm going to get you something like very minimalistic just so you can have it in here. My nan hates mess too. And she has those trees. They were huge when we were growing up and they're just like a tree that has everything glued to it, you know, with the lights and stuff. But the like the whole Christmas aesthetic, it's not appealing to my eyes. Right. Okay. I don't like to look at it either. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, maybe. You're going <laughs> to When it's like Christmas exploded uh, in here. It looks like Christmas just vomited. I don't even care. When I had, uh, when I was living in my last year house before Rhett and I moved in together, we actually got a real Christmas tree. Oh. Yeah. And we love. had this really fun Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, where we got really drunk, which really perfectly leads into <laughs> this episode. Awesome. All right. Now we're going to start the episode the way we always do by discussing the best thing that we ate this week. So Tegan, what was yours? So we went to Factory 51. Oh, I love Factory 51. So good. I think you said it as yours before. We went to Factory 51 on Sunday for my friend's 40th birthday and we had the banquet and it was... Chef's kiss. Yeah. I always say that. <laughs> How good. I've seen people, I've seen people eat. Every time I go there, everyone has the zucchini flowers and raves about them. Did you have them? No, but we had some eggplant fries. That's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen those too. They look delicious. Everything there, well, I mean, everything I've ever had is delicious. Yeah. The ragu gnocchi was my standout. So did you have fun food, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> so I had a laparoscopy. On Friday, guys, and it did not go very well. It was an awful experience. Um, so, just so people know, uh, what is a laparoscopy? <laughs> I've never been able to say that word. I know what it is. Yeah. Uh, so, a laparoscopy is where they send a camera in through your belly button to have a look at. Well, for me, they were looking for endometriosis, and is that what it's usually for? That's what I just thought it was for. Can no, it be for multiple things? It's just keyhole surgery, so it can be for a lot of things. Like people have it if they get a hernia. Oh, okay, there yeah, you go. I didn't know what it is. Yeah, okay. it's, it's a very common surgery, but I just had a bad experience at the hospital, and then I didn't recover very well. So it's been a really rough week, but I did have two favorite things that I ate. Oh, good. I thought you were going <laughs> to say that you hadn't eaten anything. No, no, week. I've been eating. So my beautiful friend Alyssa brought over my favourite cake from Florence. Excellent. To make me feel better. And my friend Palak made me dal. Have you had dal before? Yeah. Oh, so good. And she makes it every time I'm really sick or like oh, when I so was sweet. pregnant and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's delicious. Big it's- shout out to those girls. I know. Yeah. So that was really nice in a very shitty week. So I would like to start this segment by saying that, as you will know, if you've listened before, this is a very safe space and we are in no way judging anyone's relationship with alcohol. We are just going to talk about our own and also touch on some of the health impacts. So before we get into the episode, I just wanted to share a little bit about how the episode came about. So Alex has had this on the potential topic list since day dot. (laughs) I wasn't overly keen to do the episode because it's no secret that I like a drink and I didn't think that I'm really an authority to talk about alcohol when I like engage in quite a bit of drinking 
uh, myself. And to be honest, I would say that my relationship with alcohol is a little bit complicated, which is probably why I was hiding a little bit, but we are here to be vulnerable and relatable and explore these sorts of relationships that we do have with things that do affect our health. Coming back from Bali, I was very keen for a break from drinking. We, you know, were drinking every day for about seven days straight. So we've given it a few weeks of me having some time off from drinking and now I'm ready to come back and discuss how I'm feeling and how what my relationship with alcohol is like and how I would like to progress it in the future. Yeah. So to kick this off, I've written a list of questions and we're going to go through them together. I added in this first question because I am the piss head. <laughs> uh, so the first question, Alex... Uh, favorite alcoholic drink. So when I did drink, my favorite drink just before I stopped drinking was gin. Anyway, it came gin and I used to love like a gin and elderflower cocktail or a really good espresso martini like Rogue, that restaurant I keep telling you to go to. Oh yeah. They have the most incredible espresso martini with a honeycomb and the honeycomb melts into it. It's too die for. Because I can't have coffee and it makes me anxious. Ah. If you see me with an espresso martini in my hand, something has gone very wrong <laughs> and my night is about to take a turn. Oh, no. Slap it out of my Take hand. it away from her. <laughs> yeah. It's probably more damaging than the alcohol itself. Yeah. Uh, mine is an Aperol spritz, hands down. Can't beat it. Just so good. I want to like an Aperol spritz because everyone loves them, but I just can't get around it. They're very bitter. And very I think bitter. that the trap is that they look like a really sweet, yeah. like orangey drink. And then people try it and they're like, but it's so good. Oh my God, it's delicious. I would love one right now. <laughs> All right. So the next question, what was the last drink you had and when was it? Okay. So the last drink I had was an Aperol spritz on the menu, Yeah, but it was at the airport in Bali and it came out and I'm pretty sure it was just Aperol and water. Ooh. It was fucking horrendous and it cost about $25 because oh. everything in Bali is cheap. Everything at the airport, any airport is just insanely expensive. So it was an Aperol and water. It was terrible. But before that, it was a Smirnoff, uh, like a ready-to-drink Smirnoff. They have these green apple ones that are like sour apple, and yeah. I had heaps of them in Bali. I wish you could all see my face right now. The sense memories that come up when you say Smirnoff, <laughs> I just gagged. Like I love a Smirnoff. N- not every time you say it. Do you remember What the about f- double blacks? <gasps> That's okay. So Did you ever do icing with your friends? This is gonna be me really showing my immaturity here, everybody. What's icing? So if you creatively present a double black to somebody, they have to like drop to one knee and they have to scull it. Oh yeah, I've done that before. I yeah. didn't know it was called that. So when Double Blacks first came out, they were my chosen drink because you could get drunk so fast. Yeah, they're really strong. I'm really wondering how much I'm going to go into. They were my ultimate party beverage because like me and my friend Liam, if we were out and we had decided that we weren't drunk enough to be at whatever event and we needed to be a little bit drunker. Yeah, or like two each. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The amount of those that I used to drink makes me feel sick. Okay. What about you? So when was your last my drink? My last drink, I was And what you, was it? Actually. Really? Yeah. My last drink was at Ash's Baby Shower at Rickshaw's. Oh, yep. And it was an elderflower gin. Yep. I think I had two. They have three. nice cocktails there. Yeah, it was really nice. I think I had a margarita, which would be my second favorite, just yeah. in case anyone was asking. <laughs> okay. So when were you last drunk? The last time I was drunk was at Izzy's 21st. So... I don't know how long ago that would have been. Magnolia was one, so four years ago. Okay. And I only had 
four champagnes. I was blind drunk. Don't remember coming home out of the Uber. Four champagnes. Four champagnes. I reckon yeah. four champagnes I could legally drive a car. <laughs> My tolerance is so low now. It's insane. But yeah, I think I had like four champagnes. I was like dancing, singing, but um, that was the last time I was drunk. And the next day I was so violently ill. I thought I might have to go to the hospital to get a drip because I couldn't stop vomiting like horrifically every 15 minutes for the entire day I wanted to die. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was horrible. So yeah, that was the last time I was drunk. How about you? Like any of the seven days we were in Bali. (laughs) No, just kidding. We weren't. There was two days that I was pretty drunk. The first night and the second last night. Yeah. Fun. All right. I'm really excited for this one because you've written a little note and I haven't written any notes for these. And I'm just so, the contrast of this is, this is why we do these episodes. So uh, what do you think and feel when you are drinking? So as soon as I have like one or two drinks, I'm like, this is fun. I feel good. I'm relaxed. I'm more interesting. I'm more social. I'm more confident. I want to drink more. I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. Genuinely so fun. Yeah. So my experience couldn't be more different. I think if I have like one drink, half a drink, I'm okay. But then if I continue drinking, like the most I would ever drink before I stopped, like just before I stopped drinking was like four. I feel out of control. I feel so much regret for even drinking. I want to take it back straight away. Like as soon as you've had the drink. Yeah, pretty much. Like say I get to like two and then I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? I wish I didn't do this. I'm so out of control. And then I get anxiety and then I get paranoid. And then I just turn into this like control freak who is not fun at all. Like Cassie, my sister-in-law, best friend's 30th, which was just a few years ago, I had... I don't know, six drinks, but... um, This is such a contrast because to me, six drinks is like medium to quiet night. Yeah. Well, I I think I had six and I was like, so I could have cried. Like as soon as I, I was having fun at first. And then I was like, Alex, why have you done this? What have you done to your body? Like you not in control. I felt like I was, I was like, what if something happens to one of the kids and I can't take them to hospital? Like just panic. Like, and then all of a sudden this like control freak kicks in and I start cleaning up the party at like 10 o'clock. Everyone's like having the time of their life, having shots. And I'm like packing away all the pizzas and making sure everything's taken care of and like wiping down the benches. And I just become this like very boring Meanwhile, I am like, I do not have a care in the world and I'm trashing my own house. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is like, it couldn't, it couldn't be more. Literally you've seen like the videos of some of our parties when we were a little bit younger. Yeah. 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 They look fun. They were fun. (laughs) Really fun. (laughs) But yeah. So then when I drank last at Ash's baby shower, I had the two cocktails and then on the way home, like Kev was driving and all I could think was I just wanted to take it back so badly. And so that's why I stopped drinking. Wow. Yeah. One of the reasons. And we'll get into some more of them as we go along. So this is probably one of the reasons for me. What are your hangovers like? So I don't get hangovers. What? Yeah. And that's why I think like I kind of get away with it. I get one hangover a year. That is blind. That I will say will nearly end me. And that might look like me maybe feeling like I'm going to be, be sick in the morning. I might have a headache and I might feel really sluggish for the day. Like it's not, it's not even anything bad at all. As a rule, I'll just be a little bit tired and I'll have a Panadol and I'm pretty much ready to get on with my day. And <laughs> That's, you know, I kind of get away with it. However, my mental health 
yeah. bears the brunt. Like I get like that anxiety bad. And because I have like no inhibitions, is that inhibitions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inhibitions. The night before, like I would just be like talking shit, like talking absolute shit. And I remember like at one of the girls' parties, I spoke to you and Kev for like an hour and I was just like, <laughs> you were speaking absolute genuine trash and like just chewing their ear off. I loved that actually. Oh my God. It was God. the most we'd ever talked. So the next day I'm like oh, I just, what did I say? What did I do? Why am I like this? Like, why do I get so loud and like obnoxious that I might be like more likely to throw out banter that's not as like kind as I would be when I was sober. And yeah, I just, I just feel like so anxious about like what I did the night before. And the next week I just get this crippling self-doubt. And now that I, and it must be like whatever's kind of like the most important thing to me at the time, that'll be like the target of the self-doubt. So like at the moment, if I have a big weekend or like coming back from Bali with my business, I just think like, oh, my business is never going to be successful. All my clients are going to leave. Like, why do I even try this? Like, what's the point? And like, you know, in a day or two, I can see that that's not reality, but like for feeling like that for one day, it's just not worth it. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. Like that feeling to me is not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. When you came back from Bali and you shared that with me, that's the first time I've ever uh, seen you doubt yourself and that's probably because we're a lot closer now than we've ever been before and so it's the first time you've really shared that with me but um, yeah I could see how much that was affecting you. Yeah yeah and I just I just don't like feeling like that and then it just the other thing is it really affects my sleep. Yeah and that probably that would add to all of the anxiety as well. Absolutely and I get to the point where anything between like two drinks and you know you're going to bed and you kind of pass out because you've drank quite a lot. Yeah. Anything in that, you know, four, five, six drink range, I won't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That's awful. So my hangovers couldn't be more different as we've kind of just touched on. So the day after, if I've only had two drinks, I'll just be sick, like just feel very sick, upset stomach. Wow. Yeah. If I've had four, I'll be vomiting like that day. So there was no way in hell I would even notice the next day beyond being tired having four drinks. So at Cassie's 30th, when I had the six drinks the next day, everyone was a bit hungover. I was vomiting pretty much on the hour and wasn't even sure if I could go on the plane home. That's how sick I was from six drinks. Yeah. So also the mental side of it, it just fucks me up, like anxious. It's like you get the mental side of it before the hangover even, like you're saying, like as soon as that alcohol gets in your system, it's like. Yeah. And I'm just like, why have you done this to your body? Like you're already so sick all the time. Why would you make it worse? Um, Yeah. It's just like an added layer of guilt that you're kind of piling on. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it affects my sleep. So then that affects my anxiety. And I think it's because it's taken so long to work out, but because of the gastritis, alcohol just flares that up. So then I'll be sick for about a week. Yeah. That's not worth it. So not worth it at all. Not at all. So the next question is what was your relationship to alcohol like when you were younger? (laughs) Okay. So when I was younger, I think I started drinking when I was like 13, 14 and I would go to, sorry, mum, I know you listen to this and you love this podcast. So just going to apologize in advance. Mum and dad would buy me like four strongbows to take to a party. Remember they were like really low alcohol. They were like barely alcohol. You got to remember that I grew up in the country. We were like a rum and coke. <laughs> <laughs> or vodka so, cruises. I remember my oh, red bears. Remember red bears? That was so cheap. Oh yeah. 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 I remember those. I remember like being in grade 11 and 12 and being like with my friend, you want to split a cotton of red bears? <laughs> 
Mine was, um, what were the UDLs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's mashed carnivores. Oodles. Yes. Yeah, oodles. So, yeah, I would take four strong bros to a party and then I would get a bottle of vodka somehow and I would drink my four strong bros and then I would smash a bottle of vodka straight or like whatever was going. I would drink anything anyone had. Mm. I was the queen of Goon of Fortune. What about Passion Pop? Yeah, I'd smash passion a bottle pop was of big. Passion Pop. Yeah. I would drink to like oblivion. I was, I'd like pride myself on being the drunkest girl in the room. Yeah, yeah mine's pretty similar. Pretty similar. I, um, yeah, drank a fair bit in high school. Yeah. When I came to Brisbane, I had a boyfriend and we would drink a little bit, but I didn't do the party scene when I was like 18, 19, 20. Yeah. But then when I broke up with that partner at 21, I was like, let's go. Yeah. So the party scene was when my alcohol really peaked, like got to its worst. Actually, schoolies, that was pretty horrific. I had alcohol poisoning so many times where I like wouldn't be able to move the next day. It was horrific. And then, yeah, once I turned 18 and I started going clubbing, I was like my drink would be Red Bull and vodka and in between I would do Jager bombs. So much Red Bull. My little heart's just going. Yeah, my doctor was like, like I had a heart murmur and he's like, you have to stop. Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I drank like I was the drunkest out of all of our friends every weekend. I was a mess. Like the one weekend I um, said that I would be designated driver I drove us all in to Surface Paradise and we were at the shack where the security guards knew my name because I spent a lot of time there. Yeah, I've had a pretty, like the Fox and the Boundary, they've definitely, I've definitely been on first name basis with the Seckies. Yes. That's when you know you're going a little bit too often. Yes. So I wasn't going to drink. I was doing really well. And this boy who had had a very complicated relationship with started like making out with a girl in front of me and broke my little heart. So then I went hard on the alcohol to the point where I like passed out and the security guards had to carry me out. And then our car was parked on Chevron Island, if anyone knows where that is, uh, on the Gold Coast. It's a bit of a walk. So everyone had to carry me back to my car and we had to call people to come and get us. And I decided it was a good idea to swim in Chevron waters, which is a shark infested canal. Yeah. Like stripped off, went for a swim in there. It was like the most horrific weekend. I like had cuts and bruises and stuff on myself. And like, you would think that would be a bit of a wake up call, but it definitely wasn't. Nah, it never is when you're that age. No. Mine is like very similar. Just, just dumb. Yeah. Dumb behavior, drinking to like blackout, like just to highlight, like once I threw a Christmas tree off a nine story balcony. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. what the fuck? The, the amount of times I put myself in dangerous, silly situations. Once I lost three iPhones in the same weekend. Oh my God. Like just this, this behavior is just like, but it's normal yeah. in Australian culture. It is. It like is. that's what everybody that's that age is doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what all my friends were doing. And that's how we had fun on the weekends, yeah. every weekend. I and mean, spend and, so much money. Yeah. I would spend spend like $200 a night. Yeah. And I'd buy a new dress every time I went out. Well, we didn't shop where the girls of these days shop. No, So no, it was no. like a $40 dress from Melrose <laughs> Avenue. It's a yes. lot more affordable than the bloody yeah. Venroy stuff that the 18-year-olds are rocking these days. Right. Yes. So much more expensive. So we both had so very bad. unhealthy. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. No, I don't know. We won't use bad. We'll say we were very- Mine um, was bad. Experimental. <laughs> That's a really nice way to We were adventurous. <laughs> Uh, So how does your relationship now affect those around you, if any, and is it positive or negative? I think the point that I'm at now, like it doesn't, 
have a negative impact on my relationships. Like I'm not doing things that I need to apologize for, which I, you know, have done in the past. It's more that the effects that I'm seeing with the people around me at the moment is just like the social side of drinking, like so many events that we go to revolve around drinking. And like, I hate it when people say like, oh, you're not as fun as you used to be if you're not having a drink. And I really liked at my birthday party this year that there was like, at least four of my friends that were not drinking Mm -hmm. as a choice. And then, you know, 15 of us that were drinking to various degrees and that was fine and that was still fun. Um, But I still do feel like a lot of societal pressure to drink. How do you feel as someone who's not drinking about that? (laughs) As someone who's not drinking, yeah, it's definitely huge. It makes people feel really uncomfortable when you're not drinking and you're in a social setting, like the amount of people that are like, oh, like you're not drinking. Like, do you mind if, like, do you mind if I still drink or they feel like you're judging them just because you're not drinking? Yeah. It's super weird. Actually, when I was just talking about my birthday, like two of my girlfriends, Julia, that was on and Sarah are both pregnant. And I said to them, you don't have to come if you don't want. And they're like, we're pregnant. Like we're not housebound. Like there'll be other people that aren't drinking. And I don't know why, like, I didn't say to you, like, you don't need to come if you don't want, like, and I, some, for some reason thought maybe it's because in a time, like, and I think that they'd both be okay with me saying this, like, it's not like they're choosing not to drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I felt like that when I was pregnant because I was like, at that time I was like, oh, I could be having a drink with everyone, you know? Yeah. So it is different when it's, when you're pregnant and when it's a choice. Um, but yeah, it makes people feel really uncomfortable. I get, I used to get, now people are used to it, but I used to go, oh, like, you know, have fun with us. Like it'll, it'll help you relax. What about Red and I always say that one, like, you don't have to drink to have fun, Yeah, but it sure helps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm more fun when I don't drink. I don't think that's true for me. Well, I think it's different for everyone, obviously, but like for me personally, where I'm at now, if I drink, then I become that controlling person. Whereas like now I'm at the point where it's been so long, like I went to a party in March and I was dancing because I was like, everyone around me is blind. Like normally I'd be so self-conscious about that like when Mm. I was younger, but everyone around me is so drunk. No one notices how I dance. And I had a ball. Like I legitimately had so much fun. And now I can go to a party and I'm so confident that I can have just as much fun as everyone else. Yeah. I think that the issue that I'm having between like, I want to be as confident as I am when I'm drunk, when I'm not drunk. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I want. Yeah. Which is like confidence is something that you can work on. Yeah. And something that I do want to work on. So yeah. Well, it took me a really long time to get to that point. If I was, when I was younger, if I'd go to something and I wasn't drinking, I'd be like miserable. I'd be like, oh, like everyone's having so much fun. I'm not having fun. I just want to leave. But um, no, now I just have, yeah, exactly the same amount of fun, but there's so much pressure and there's such a um, big drinking culture with parents and stuff as well. And so like you go to a lot of events and it's like super normal to have like, you know, a beer to chill out while the kids are doing stuff. And I feel like a lot of pressure at those, I mean, I don't feel pressure anymore, but those things do create, you know, a lot of pressure with everyone being like, oh, have a beer, have a beer. Mm, That's Um, so true. But I do feel, yeah. I definitely feel really confident in my decisions now and 
very happy with what I'm at. So I'm never tempted and I'm very happy just to tell people. But also the other thing that I've found with people that don't know me very well, like one woman that I was out with was like, oh, are you in AA or something? Oh my God. And I was like, I just don't drink because it makes me really Do you know sick. what? That's actually really, that's probably a really common assumption yeah. that people would make in Australia. Like if you don't drink alcohol, you must have a problem. Yeah. yeah. I have actually thought that about people before. Like when they say, oh, like I don't drink at all. I've thought, that's a bit fucking weird. Like, yeah, yeah. Are, you, were you, are you a recovering alcoholic? I definitely get that. Place. I've actually thought that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely get that. You Which is see so people, fucked. <laughs> but you can see people in their head going like, oh God, why doesn't she? Something horrible must have happened yeah. to her. But also the other thing is with my medication, like my bipolar medication, that really amplifies the effects of alcohol. Yeah, right. So you feel way more drunk when you're on it and stuff as well. And I mean, you're already drunk after one drink, so you're going to yeah. be like turbo wasted. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to say that to people who are a complete stranger. Like I'm actually Sorry. not drinking because I have bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Do you know what? I'm actually all for when people ask you like a really, uh, what's the word? Like personal question. No, just fucking rude. Like, yeah, like intrusive. It's just like not a question that you should ask yeah. just to give them an answer that makes them feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I remember when Julia had her baby, a guy from F45, an old guy used to be at the cafe next door. And he said to one of the guys that we're friends with, like, oh, did she have a C-section or a natural birth? And the guy just said, I don't know, mate. I wasn't there. <laughs> and Good I job. was just like, that's so funny. Yeah. Well, yeah. what a fucking weird question to ask for like an old guy that's only met her that's in passing so a coffee. weird. People are so like. We've spoken about this before. Like people just have no boundaries. Like I think, and I think that same guy actually said to Julia, something about like, oh, are you single? And he was like, TikTok. And this is when she'd frozen her eggs. And yeah. she just said to him, yeah, well, I've frozen my eggs. And he was just like, oh. <laughs> That's so funny. Maybe next so time. So you should. You should just yeah, say, should. Uh, I'm bipolar. It interacts <laughs> with my medication. And they'll be like, fuck, sorry. And they'll just back Oops. away. Yeah, maybe some next time if someone says, why don't you drink up? They're like, well, why do you drink? Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So lead, this leads perfectly into the next question, like moving forward, will you ever drink again? So I actually have a birthday coming up for one of my best friends. And I remember last year when I decided to stop drinking for a while, I said to her like, oh, I'll just have my, like my next drink will be at your birthday party. And the birthday party's in two weeks. And I said to Kev yesterday, I'm like, I don't think I can do it. Like I feel repulsed at the thought of drinking. So I don't think you should. Yeah. At this stage, I don't think I ever will drink again. I'm not tempted. Maybe. Oh yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. But what would you get out of it? Nothing. Like what would you get out of it that you wouldn't get out of having a mocktail? I think the only situation where I might be tempted, it's like Christmas day with my whole family. Like I used to make like really nice cocktails. But why don't you make mocktails? Yeah. And then you don't have, like, you can have all of the fun of a cocktail without the negative repercussions of yeah. The anxiety and stuff. Cause that's going to ruin your day at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Like you've got to look at your overall well-being and how you're going to enjoy the whole day. Yeah. Which this is the thing about alcohol, right? It's like, and this is where I'm at. It's such a way up. Like yeah. this is fun, but is it worth this outcome? Yeah. And that's, this is exactly what I'm feeling like. Yeah. I think you're at a really interesting point. No, but I've been here a th- like fucking thousand times before. And that's yeah. why like you, you get like frustrated with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But at least, I don't know. I haven't had this conversation with very many people though. That I are, think like, heaps of people it. feel like this. Yeah. Yeah. But just don't discuss it. I want to say, I'm not going to say that adamantly I'm not going to ever drink again because I don't want someone to ever see me drinking and be like, you said you're never drinking again. 
Like I might one day at the moment, the answer is no. Yeah. And it's, it's like you not, like you don't, you're not a vegan or even when I had a friend who is, she still is vegetarian, but she eats bacon. And I'm like, you don't need to label what you are. You're like, like if you decide to have a drink again, actually some fucking dickhead probably will come up to you and be like, I thought you said you were never drinking again. (laughs) People like to make you feel like you're wrong. Yeah. But, um, who gives a shit? They're morons. Yeah. So where I would like to go with my drinking. Yeah. And I was listening to Fraz sent me an episode of Darling Shine with Elodie and Chloe. And she was like, you need to listen to this episode. You're going to absolutely love it. And I listened to it this morning on the way here. And it was just like so perfect. So it was all about longevity and the blue zones. Have you heard about this? No. So the blue zones are like areas in the world where people live the longest and they live to be like over a hundred. Yeah. And the the guy that was on there was talking about, you know, how to achieve longevity and you don't like, you think like, oh, he's going to be like ice bath and meditation yeah. and eat this and eat that. But that wasn't the takeaway. And I'm not going to get into the content of the episode because I think you should all go and listen to it. Because yeah, we it was put it in the show notes. Absolutely fantastic. But he was talking about this uh, island in Greece is one of the blue zones and he was saying like their mentality around drinking is tipsy but never drunk yeah and they wouldn't drink without eating first and they were saying like it's such a contrast where in Australia we're like eating Eating is cheating cheating. (laughs) yeah and they were saying like they'll never drink alone so if they went to their friend's house and they said do you want to have a wine and obviously it's of course all like local wine and local produce they'll sit down and they'll have bread and they'll have tomatoes and they'll have the wine together and they'll have, you know, two or three wines and they'll get to tipsy but never drunk. If someone in the community was to get drunk, it would be like an intervention and they'd all go to the house and be like, mate, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's where I want to get to with my drinking. Like I want to get to the point where I can go out and I can have two drinks and leave it at that. Yeah. And I feel like I go from one extreme to the other. Like I'm in the extreme now where I'm like, just got back from Bali, which was drinking every day to not having a drink at all. And then I, you know, you know, the month before the marathon, I always do a full month sober or, you know, once I did five months sober or I've done an F45 challenge sober. And then like the first weekend that it's over, I'm like drunk. Yeah. And I just want to get to the point where I don't necessarily, I'm not going to say never, but very rarely do I get drunk, but I can still go out and have a social two drinks, which I genuinely like enjoy. Yeah. Tipsy, but not drunk. And I want to like, we're going to get into the health impacts of alcohol at the moment. And, you know, all the evidence suggests that, you know, at that sort of level of drinking of, of one or two, even like once or twice a week, there's no negative implications. It's when we're getting into the binge drinking. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I drink at the moment. Like I won't drink in the weekday ever. Yeah. Unless we went out on like a girl's lunch on a Tuesday, which before like Julia and Sarah got pregnant, we would do because that was a day um, that they didn't have such a busy schedule. And working the job that I work now, I just made had this like amazing light bulb moment that it's like any day can be your weekend. Yeah. Like any day. And yeah. that's fucking awesome. Yeah. But I just would usually drink at an event like I, I wouldn't ever get drunk just on a Friday yeah. at home. Yeah. It would be someone's birthday and I would get there and I would be drinking and I would drink until I'm drunk. Yeah. And that's how my relationship with drinking is. But also like we're very social people. Yeah. So that's every weekend. fortnight, if not, you know, not every weekend, but probably every fortnight. Yeah. And then sometimes it will, you know, coming into 
Christmas, that could be every weekend. Yeah. That might be a really interesting challenge for you to start doing this tipsy, not drunk thing over the Christmas season and see how you go. I would love to be able to do it over the Christmas season, but in the back of my mind, I'm already like, well, I want to have quite a few drinks on Christmas and I want to have quite a few drinks on New Year's. Yeah. But I don't think there's anything wrong no, with that. No, not at all. That's fine. And I think maybe the way that I need to approach it is how I, you know, get my clients to approach times where they're, you know, eating, I'm going to say to excess or outside of what aligns with their goals. Yeah. There's a very big difference between just doing it and not enjoying it and doing it mindfully and consciously. So I think it needs to be me accepting that if I make this decision to drink more than X amount and get drunk, then I am doing it with the conscious awareness of the repercussions. Yeah. And then I just need to remind myself of that. And I mean, in the back of my mind, I know all of that. And then I just get there and I'm just like, fuck, we're here again. And I'm kind of off myself. Do you know, speaking of New Year's Eve, so when Kevin and I moved out together when we were 21, no, actually it was before that. It was when Kevin and I got together, we decided to never drink on New Year's Eve again because we always wanted to not have a hangover on New Year's Day. Mm -hmm. So we always, we spend New Year's Eve with like um, usually the same people, like Eamon and Eilish and sometimes other friends. And we have like... That's so wholesome. Like if you had have asked me if I was Eamon and Eilish at their age to hang out with my older sister on (laughs) New Year's Eve, I'd be like... No fucking chance. <laughs> so you must be cool. <laughs> no, so on New, it was great when they were like younger. We did it a lot, obviously, because they're a lot younger than us. But this New Year's Eve just gone. So Eamon's 23. I think Eilish actually did go out with her friends this year. But Eamon, our best friend Zach, they all came over and we played Mario Kart and we played Wii Sports. So like tennis and golf and stuff. And we had a barbecue and played ball games and it was really nice. That's- and then you're not hungover for New Year's Day. So we normally do like a huge walk or a hike or do something really fun to start the new year. Do you know what we always do on New Year's Day? What? Go to the pub. Oh, yeah. And we're usually there from open till close. And we've done that for like every year that Rhett and I have been together. That's been like our New Year's Day yeah. tradition. And I would say prior to that, I was just rolling in from the night before, just waking up at 7am and kicking back into it. Yeah. So yeah. And I feel like I'm like, we've just moved to the Gold Coast as well. And like, we're not down there to be a part of the party culture. Like the reason I want to be down there is to slow down and to be out walking and, and to be like leading a healthy lifestyle and going to the beach and swimming. So yeah. like I haven't had a drink since we've been on the coast, which has been five days, but um, <laughs> like, you know, it's easy thing to go to the pub and be like, you know, on the first night, get really excited that we're there. Yeah. But we did go to the pub and I just had a Coke. Yeah. But like I said, I want to get to the point where I can just have two drinks because the, the reason I didn't is because I didn't want to have two and then get excited and then have eight and then feel shit the next day. Yeah. There's a lot of nice places down there for you to go and have a cocktail on a Sunday afternoon and stuff too and enjoy it that way instead. Yeah. I mean, last time we went to the Burley Pav when we were staying down there, we missed our dinner reservation because we were too busy getting drunk and having fun. Mm, Yeah. But yes, that will be a good challenge. Yeah. Let's see how you go. You can report back. But yeah, don't put any limits or rules on yourself. Just see how you go. No, I think it's just the whole point of being more mindful of it. And I do try and be really conscious of it, but it's still obviously not to a level that I'm happy with. But like everything, it takes practice to, to make those mindsets stick. Yeah. Alrighty, guys, uh, after I've said all that, I'm just about to get up on my high horse and tell you about the health implications of alcohol. So it is important to share the health impacts of alcohol when we're having this conversation just to give you all of the information. And I know all of this and I talk about all of this 
uh, with my clients. And as you guys can tell from the conversation that we just had, it does impact my decision-making, but obviously still not to a point that I am happy with. So let's go through that. Uh, We know that alcohol has a host of negative impacts. So at the extreme ends of the scale, excessive alcohol consumption can lead to serious health problems such as high blood pressure, heart disease, stroke, liver disease, and digestive issues. However, on a day-to-day basis, this is what we probably experience more. And this is something that we're probably a little bit more conscious of. It impacts our hydration. So hello, hangovers, our sleep. And it's a really big one. If anybody says that alcohol doesn't affect their sleep, then you're lucky. I feel like the minute I turned 30, that, that really kicked in. Um, our stress, again, despite people thinking the reverse, like they think that alcohol is a good way to wind down, but it does increase the stress in the body. Our anxiety, as we've both touched on in different ways, um, our decision-making and our motivation levels. So all of these can really impact your health and fitness journey, obviously. And I also just wanted to get into the science of how alcohol can affect you and how that can affect your ability to hit your health and fitness goals. So I just want to preface this by saying that the most important factor to success with your health and fitness goals is adherence. So if having a glass of wine on a Friday or a beer on a Sunday helps you stick to your nutrition and training goals all week, I would absolutely not change that. So, you know, especially if you go to CrossFit on a Friday and you all go for a beer afterwards, like that's a really positive experience. And I wouldn't make yourself wrong for that. Absolutely not. The evidence suggests that, as I said before, the evidence suggests that small amounts of alcohol has no negative negative implications on results. What I'm going to talk about next, it relates to drinking an excess, which is supposedly about three drinks, which I, yeah, which I'm personally lolling at because when I do decide to have a drink, I would call three drinks really moderate slash light drinking, but we'll press on. So alcohol isn't one of the macronutrients that we've talked about. So it's not a carb, fat or protein. It's really its own macronutrient in a way and it has no positive effects to our body. So if you just think about even sugar, it has a positive effect in our body because it's energy yeah, and it's going to give us energy, especially really quick energy, which has its place. Yeah. But for alcohol, it has no positive benefits. So if you have a fat loss goal, even when the calories are accounted for, regular or binge drinking can actually slow your progress down. Ah. So even if you've accounted for the calories, you're consuming through the alcohol. And this is we're going to say that three plus. Yeah. And the reason for this is because our body processes alcohol differently to those other macros and it can't break it down to use it into energy. Ah. I was just saying. So approximately 20% of the alcohol goes into our bloodstream and then the other 80% is metabolized. So it's broken down as a toxin. So our body wants to get the toxin out as quickly as it can. So to do this as effectively and as quickly as it possibly can, it starts to shut down all non-essential bodily functions, including our fat metabolism. Really? Yes. That's wild. So like, you know, in, and just to make it really generalized, your body's got this alcohol in it and it's like, okay, I need to put all my energy or all my power into getting the alcohol out. I feel like that's what my body does. (laughs) Like, I mean, I know that's what you're saying. Yeah, like on extreme level, like it's trying to get it out as quickly as possible. So it starts to shut down things that it doesn't need to use energy on and 
like fat metabolism can be one of those. So this means while you're metabolizing the alcohol, you likely won't be losing body fat. That's insane. And that's why, you know, within reason, like people that are having a glass of wine here and there or three or four drinks a week, like, or even a beer or two beers a day for blokes, like we can include that in a nutrition plan and we can get them results. And, you know, we can have the occasional drinks beyond that and still get results. However, this is something that you do need to keep in mind, especially if you're at a point where you're really stuck and you think I'm doing everything right, this could be the missing piece. So depending on how much you've had to drink, this could take 36 hours. What? Yeah. That you're like not burning any fat because you're metabolizing that alcohol out of your system. So even if you're going to work out and everything, it's just not really going to matter. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it because we should look at training for all the other reasons that training is good and not to lose body fat anyway. Right. Um, so yes, you should still go to train. I mean, don't go to training if you're drunk still, because that might be really dangerous, but yeah, even if you're doing everything right the next day and you back in a calorie deficit the next day, that carry on uh, could go for longer. In addition to this, sorry, the hits just keep coming. And this is definitely one for anyone trying to build muscle mass or the blokes, alcohol lowers your testosterone really levels. And because we need testosterone for muscle protein synthesis, which is the ability and the process used to build muscle mass. So if your goal is to gain muscle mass, you also won't be doing that effectively while you have alcohol in your system. Wow. So anyone, if you have a muscle mass building goal, like that's pretty big motivation for not getting drunk every weekend if you are really trying to put on some size. Yeah. Uh, If you have a time-specific goal, like say you want to get – to X amount of size for your holiday, wedding, whatever, I would suggest limiting alcohol because that's going to make you progress so much quicker. And I see that like for myself, that's so obvious. As soon as I stop drinking, everything happens a lot easier with my like, especially when I'm in a fat loss phase. Otherwise you need to be aware of how alcohol might affect your progress. As I was just saying, like I would stick to lower calorie options and practice mindfulness with when you choose to consume it. Yeah. So as we said at the start, this episode does come with zero judgment. And as you can see from what we've shared, that is true. So we just thought it would be really interesting to share our relationship and our thoughts and give you some information about how alcohol might be inhibiting your health and fitness journey. Personally, as I said, I will definitely drink again, probably to excess if I'm honest, but this is an ongoing relationship that I do really want to improve. Okay, so I'm surprising Tegan with a little segment this week. Um, Every night at our dinner table, we do highs and lows, but then we let the kids ask us anything they want and it's really fun and we ask them the same questions and it's a nice way to learn new things about each other. I love that. Yeah. So my kids have asked some questions. They've got the questions. Yeah. yeah, My kids have questions for you. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So do I get to do my high and low? Yeah. Let's do high and low first and then we'll get to the kids questions. Okay. My high is 100% moving to the Gold Coast. Yeah. I am loving it. Like I'm just loving it. Like we get up in the morning and I take Kenny for a beach walk and then I go to the gym and I've joined a new gym, which made me really nervous to go and join a new gym, but I'm loving it. And then I just get into my work and then we've been doing a little Arvo beach walk and I can just, I'm just so happy. So nice. So that's a high. Yeah. And you're low? A low. I feel really weird being in this area today. Here in Camille. Yeah. Do you feel sad? 
Um, it feels like, I think I feel sad. I, I think I feel sad because it's so close to F45. Yeah. And that, and this isn't really a low, this is a nice, I just feel, I feel a little bit sad that that chapter's closed. Yeah. So it just felt weird because I was driving, like I almost drove past it on the way here and it was just like such a big portion of my life and I feel a little bit, a little bit sad that I don't get to see all of those people anymore because I really did love that community. So I'm definitely going to try and pop in on a Thursday when I have time free um, to do one of the classes. Oh, that's such a nice idea. Yeah. That's awesome. So my high was just my friends that popped in after my laparoscopy and everyone like checking in on me made me feel really loved. I think I know what your low is. And my low was the laparoscopy. (laughs) Yeah, It actually wasn't the surgery itself. I had a horrible experience at the hospital. Um, I had a nurse that laughed at me because I was crying. It was very emotional coming out of the general anesthetic and just getting some information from the surgery. And she kept laughing at me, which was awful. And even, yeah, even when my, when she called my mom to say that I was ready to be picked up, she goes, um, she was like laughing and she's like, oh, she's very emotional. And my mom was like, well, my daughter doesn't cry. So there must be something really wrong. Can you put me on the phone to her? Even if people do cry when they're coming off general anesthetic, don't laugh in their face. Like, yeah. you, you know what we were talking about in the episode with Julia, like just validate people's feelings. Like laughing in their face is so fucking rude. Yeah. And she clearly has terrible bedside manner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was definitely my low and just being in pain all weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's shit. Yeah, but anyway, it's been a long time coming and I'm excited to get my results. Yeah, so. it's going to be great. All right, let's get into these questions from the kids. All right, and I have programmed these into my roadcaster. Oh, they're so. asking the questions in their voice. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's so cute. I'm so keen. <laughs> okay, ready? So this is Oscar's first question for you. What's your favourite movie? Oh, what's my favourite movie? I think that Step Brothers and Napoleon Dynamite yes. are right up there. Yeah. Like just a really silly laugh. I really liked Gothica. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I love that movie. Like for a scary one. Yeah. Um, but I reckon I reckon it's Step Brothers. So funny. The amount of times I reference Step Brothers in a week. Yeah, same. Such a good movie. It's got so many good one-liners. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen Eagle vs. Shark? No. I feel like if you love Napoleon Dynamite, you'll love it. Napo- when I was in high school, I thought Napoleon Dynamite was the funniest thing ever. It's and so the funny. thing, like, if you show someone that movie, they need to have that specific stupid sense of humour. Otherwise, yeah. they're like, have you had a stroke? Like, <laughs> it's, it's such a good movie. It's so funny. I used to quote <laughs> that Jesus, all Tina. the time. <laughs> Eat the food, Tina. <laughs> Just the dance. That's when he's like, how long did it take you to grow that moustache? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good question, Oscar. This is Oscar's next question. What's the best thing that's ever happened in your life? Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) Isn't it? The best thing that has ever happened in my life. I almost think I want to say getting Kenny. I knew that that was going to be your answer. I said that to Oscar. I said it's going to be getting Kenny. He's just brought so much joy into our lives. That's so nice. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe he just came along at the time where I was having like a turning point in my life or maybe he was a little part of that, but definitely. Oh, he's beautiful. Whenever I think that one day he'll die, I wish I never got him. No, (laughs) don't. Because I'll never be ready. All right. This is Mushi's first question. What's your favourite shoes? My favorite shoes? Yeah. That's a great question. I love shoes. Yeah. I love sneakers. I hate high heels. Never. 
I hate high heels too. Oh, that's a hard one, Moosh. I'm going to say my black on white night dunks. Yeah, I love them. I like your blue ones too. Oh, I like the blue ones too. I thought the blue ones might be your favorite. They're just, no, it's the black and white. Yeah, they're very versatile. Yeah, it's not my Crocs. (laughs) My second favorite though would be my dog slides. Oh, yes. I need to get myself a pair of those. They're on sale on the Iconic at the moment. Are they? 124 or something. I'm deciding between those though and the ones that Laura got, but in the other color. They're very clunky. Are they? They look good on Laura. Yeah, everything looks good on Laura. Yeah, that's so true. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and this is the last one. This is Mushies. What's your favorite thing to talk? My favorite thing to cook? Yeah. Uh, fresh pasta from scratch. Oh, nice. Uh, gnocchi with a pesto cream sauce, which is also my favorite thing to eat. Yeah. But as a little bonus fact, the first dish that I ever sort of mastered was lasagna. Oh. And I still love lasagna to this day. And some people will say, oh, it's too much hassle to make. It takes a whole day. But I've got it down to like, I could have it in the oven in half an hour. Wow. I feel like all of those meals that you've just said are very like ritual, like therapeutic, enjoyable dishes to make. I think I was an Italian nonna in a past life. Have you been to Italy? No, I'm dying to go to Italy. Oh, you will. One of the best experiences in my whole life was we were traveling up the Amalfi coastline and we went to this place called Ravello and it's this incredible tiny little village and there's like an orchestra and everything that plays in the garden and there was this tiny little deli with like an Italian nonna and we went in and this is when I was not obeying my yep. allergies. Um, she had this fresh baguette that she cut in half, me and my friend, and she picked basil out of like her little like garden <sighs> window and it had the most, the freshest Roma tomatoes, I've ever, sorry, trust tomatoes I've ever had and like fresh boccaccini and leg ham. Oh, yum. I love all of that. I love everything Italian. There's, yeah. Um, is it Sardonia? Yeah. So that's one of the blue zones. Oh, yeah. That, that doesn't surprise me at all, actually. Um, but yeah, that was to this day the best thing I've ever eaten and the most magical experience. We sat outside on these little chairs and an orchestra played. I'm dying to go to Italy. Have you ever seen the Facebook series Pasta Grannies? Oh, no. It's like about these Italian grandmas and they show how they make all these different Italian dishes, like signature Italian pasta dishes from scratch. And it is the best. That probably doesn't come up in anyone else's algorithm. (laughs) No, I love that. Yeah. We definitely want to do Europe in the next 18 months. Yeah. I just feel like my heart longs for Europe. I've never had the burning urge to go until the last two years. Yeah. And I think that that also might be because I'd never had the finances to, so I didn't allow myself to have that longing. Yeah, my mum. But it's it's strong. Yeah, yeah, right. My mum toured Europe by herself when she was like wow. 18, 19. So I think that I always looked at her photos growing up and so that was something I always wanted to do as well. Mm. So like the second I could, I mean, I didn't have any money and I ran out of money halfway through, but that's a story for another day. But um, yeah, best time of my bloody life and I can't wait to go back. Great questions, guys. Yay. That was cute. so well. We didn't write a sign-off. Shit, we didn't. All right, let's just YOLO (laughs) one. (laughs) Well, on the fly, kick us off. 
Alrighty, I hope that, well, actually, we trust that you got a lot of information out of today's episode. And if your relationship with alcohol is something that you have been thinking about, I hope that this has been a little bit of a thinking point for you to be able to think about where you want to get with your relationship with alcohol and we can go along on that journey together. Yeah. We appreciate everyone who has listened to the podcast so far. We are loving all of your feedback and comments. If you haven't done so yet, we would absolutely love it if you could leave us a review on Apple or give us some stars on Spotify. We just... Uh, nope. <laughs> Call it off. Cut it off. Yep, 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 yep. And goodbye. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That wasn't too bad. <laughs>